The scripture reading today is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Brent. Well, we're in this, this is a second part of this three-part series where we're asking the question of what is the church? The series title is The Church Is. And last week we talked about how the church is a welcoming or a worshiping and therefore welcoming people or hospitable people. And the idea behind that is, is that um, we're a worshiping people because everybody worships. Now the question is, is the thing that you worship, is it actually able to withstand your heart's desire to worship it. So like if you worship your car like I did when I was 16 and I had this red Mustang and then you wreck it, your world falls apart like I did. Um, What do you worship? Jesus can actually handle being worshiped and that's why we worship him. And we realize that he's welcomed us, that he's hospitable, he's kind to us, and we reflect that. So you know, the church is a worshiping and therefore welcoming people. And this week, today, we're gonna be talking about how the church is a humble and therefore grateful people. And to sort of get you thinking about this, how humility and gratitude are wrapped, wrapped up together, I want to remind you of a story in the Gospel of Luke real quick. In chapter 17, Jesus comes across these ten lepers, and these are the words we read there. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. So they go see the priest and they're cleansed. One of them he saw, uh, he was healed. When one of them saw that he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? We're all, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. How do gratitude and humility wrap up together? Well, all ten of the lepers were, were cleansed. All of them were healed. And Jesus didn't yank that back from the nine who didn't come back and worship him. But the one that came back, why did he come back? He came back because he experienced something special and thought, I want to give thanks. Like, I want to be near the one who did this for me. I want to worship him. I want to draw near to him. And he draws near to Jesus and leans into this relationship. And what does Jesus say to him? Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. He was already physically healed. So what does it mean that he go be well? Well, That's what we're talking about here. This idea of your relationship with God. It's not enough just to know who he is. It's not enough just to be right about who he is. It's not enough just to be right with other people. Actually, have you encountered a Jesus who 
makes humility kind of well up in you and leads you into this spirit of gratitude. None of us do this perfectly well. Of course not. We overlook good gifts all the time. I'll tell you one you probably overlook all the time. You ready? Do you know how hard our sound guys work in the back to like pull off sound in our church? You probably don't, but it is hard. And here we are. It's working. So sometimes we don't give thanks because we overlook good gifts from, us, from what God does for us. But actually, Paul is drawing us in here to say, do you really know how good God's been to you? Do you know the kind of gifts he's given? Does it provoke and compel humility in you that leads you to gratitude? And the man, the leper who came back to Jesus, he came back because he couldn't believe he had been healed. He did not think he was worthy to be loved. He didn't think he was worthy of someone paying attention to him. How many times had people gone past him and he felt like, I'm not worth being helped no one has the power to help me. God, will you please just have pity on me? Jesus doesn't have pity on him. Jesus is gracious to him and heals him. And the gift of healing him brings Jesus joy. And the one comes back for a relationship. And that's kind of my challenge for you as we think about how the church is a humble and therefore gra grateful people. To ask yourself the question of like, where are you in your relationship with God? Do you understand how good he is? Have you reflected on how kind he is? Have you lived into the reality that Christ has been humbled for you? Is it compelling you toward thankfulness? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at just three quick ideas. One is who is Jesus, because that's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 4. Who is Jesus? What has he done? And what does it look like for us to live into being a people who are humble and therefore grateful? Verse 7, we read, When he ascended on high, he took captives and gave, gave gifts to his people. And what does it mean that he ascended except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? Think about who Jesus is from this. He's one who has ascended on high. Okay, So that's, that's imagery uh, for our minds. But in reality, Jesus ascending to the heavens, higher than you can imagine. Like, what's the highest heavens you can imagine? Jesus has ascended there. He's also descended to the lower earthly regions. What's that mean? It means he's come among us. Jesus, who was glorified, who was worshipped by angels, who had everything um, as it's meant to be, descended to a world where people ignored him and abused him and beat him and killed him. And he died and rose again for us. And so Paul's saying, look, Jesus, this is who he is. He's ascended to the heavens. He's ascended to the lower earthly realms. But, even more so, as Paul goes on, he takes interest in the captives and he fills the whole universe. Jesus is one who's ascended in the heavens, descended the earthly realms, takes interest in the captives, and fills the whole universe. That begins to transform how we think about our reality. What does it mean for him to take interest in the captives? Like in your mind right now, as you think about what's been going on in our world, what kind of ideas about being a captive come to mind? I don't know how, you know, unless you've been living in a cave, you haven't heard about what's going on in Afghanistan. And there's a lot of tough things happening over there, and our men and women are over there, and we're thankful for them uh, serving on our behalf, the Afghanistan people, Afghani Afghan people. But if you don't look at that and think to your, if you don't look at that situation and think to yourself, this is so confusing, like what can be done? What can we do about this? You know one thing we can do? One thing we can do is we can pray for them. We did it today when Kyle prayed. Why does it matter to pray? Because the one who ascended on high and descended to the earthly realms, 
the one who fills the whole universe, takes interest in the captives. He's interested in those who are captive. Paul himself is writing as a prisoner in this text, one who's lost his freedom. You know, we can be praying for people to uh, encounter the reality of God's interest in them. Because when they begin to experience that, they begin to encounter a God who can actually be with them, who can be gracious to them, who can invite them into experiencing his kingdom. So who is Jesus? Well, as we've been saying, he's God. There's none greater than him. He's ascended on high. He's ascended to our realm. Part of the encouragement for us in that is that that means that Jesus has descended to whatever it is we're experiencing also. One of God's promises to us is that God is with us at all times through his spirit. That the one who is powerful, the one, this Jesus we're reading about here, is the same one who is with us even in this very moment. Thinking about who Jesus is moves us next to think about what then has Jesus done. But to each one of us, grace has, uh, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace has been given to each of us as Christ has apportioned it. Think about that for a minute. God's given us grace. How much grace do you need? Like, what's, where are you in your story? Where are you in your life? How much grace do you need to be able to experience God's love? Here's the good news. The divine one, the human one, the one who's ascended on high, who's ascended to the earth, whose very presence fills the entire cosmos, says this. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. When my wife cooks dinner, and sometimes I cook too because she got this like little thing where we get something in the mail and it's a bag and has very specific instructions and then I can cook it and it's pretty good. But when she cooks, she gives us a portion. And you know what I don't do when she gives me a portion and Walker a portion and William and Avery, if we're all eating together? I don't think to myself, I want to eat off their plate. And maybe you do if you're like on a diet or something. But in general... Thanksgiving, for example, or whatever, you think you don't think I'm going to eat off their plate. You're like, this is my portion. This is what I've been given. God actually wants you to take this concept into your soul. He knows exactly how much grace you need for this exact moment you're in right now, and he has apportioned it. He's given you access to it. He's been gracious to you. Do you know how encouraging that is to me as a husband and a father and a pastor, and a friend, because I cannot be Jesus. I cannot be enough when someone's really suffering or struggling. I, I can't be. And if they want me to be, they're going to be disappointed because I'm not good at being God. But also, it's really naive of me to think that somehow I have enough grace for them to fix their situation. I don't. But there is one who has apportioned divine, a divine measure of grace for you, and it is accessible by faith. God is inviting you to say, God, I need your grace. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Jesus says to us, I'm, I have a room I'm making for you in my Father's house. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't tell you that's the case. The one who loves you knows you, knows your needs, and says, I want you to try this on. I have, a, I have grace apportioned for you. As a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a pastor, that enables me to do something. To know that God has enough grace for me, to know that he has enough grace for you and to entrust us, entrust one another to him. 
That's the kind of God that we have, one who loves us and cherishes us and has given us grace. What else has Jesus done besides give us grace? Well, he's conquered every realm you can think of. Just try to imagine the heavenly realm for a minute. Jesus has ascended on high. We read, like, we read a couple weeks ago in the Psalms. He's enthroned over the flood. At Isaiah 6, there's a picture of Jesus on the, at the throne being worshipped by angels. Like, Jesus is on the throne. Try to imagine the heavenly realms. What do you come up with? Well, the good news about the Scriptures is, is that sometimes God lets us peek into exactly what it's like in that heavenly realm. Jesus is king over that realm. Listen to these words. Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Jesus dwells and is over that heavenly realm. And he's conquered it. But he's also conquered the earthly realm. Now just try to imagine earthly realms for a minute. What kind of things do you imagine when you think of earthly realms? You know, uh, I start thinking about different adventures I go on. You know, I love, I love going on adventures. I also like watching documentaries about different adventures, like The Summit, which is about K2, the deadliest mountain, you know, in the world, or Everest. There's lots of documentaries on Everest. I like watching Space I, I like watching all these things because you learn about these other realms that are there. And if you hate exploring, that's okay. That can be boring for you, what I just said. Here's the deal, though. All of life is an adventure. You have no idea what's ahead of you. You don't know what you're going to encounter, what you're going to deal with. There is mystery out there. And Jesus is saying, I have already conquered it. I am the king over that adventure you are on right now. That's who I am. I've ascended on high. I've descended to the earthly realm. And we read in the scriptures that Jesus set aside his glory. Have you ever done that before? You ever gotten credit for something and it's like 100% you and you sort of set that aside because you really just want to make this about somebody else at the moment? That can be kind of painful. And I, only really emotionally mature people can pull it off well. I don't really always pull that off well. Jesus pulls it off perfectly. He lays aside his glory. He casts it aside to enter our realm so he can say this, I've conquered this realm for you. I am God in this place. He's ascended on high. He's gone to an earthly realm. Where else has he gone? Paul tells us in the whole universe. Do you know why that's good news for us? That means in the realm of your marriage, in the realm of your parenting, in the realm of your work life, in the realm of your school, in the realm of college, whatever realm you can find image bearers, Jesus is there conquering in that moment. Whether it's United States or Afghanistan, or wherever it is, the king of heaven and earth reigns. And he's inviting us to take great hope in the fact that he is, in fact, conquering it. He's given us grace. He's conquered every realm. But also he's given us gifts. Paul writes, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. You know, part of how God expresses his grace is in giving us gifts. We talked about grace, but he gives us lots of gifts. There's gifts of the Spirit. 
You know, the Holy Spirit dwells in every single person that trusts him, and God actually equips you to serve others in the church and in your community. And he's given us the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, patience, kindness. You know the good news is that God is telling us that as we trust in him, we can actually grow in joy. We can grow in patience. We can grow in kindness. We can grow in humility. There's no hopelessness for those whose hope is in Jesus Christ. He's given us that gift. He's given us the gift of promises. There are promises in the scriptures. They are yours by faith. He's given us the gift of the scriptures so we can know exactly what he says. You don't have to take my word for it. Read the scriptures. My entire goal is for us to reflect on the truth of what God has said. The scriptures are a gift for us. Gift for us. They are breathed by God, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us so that we can know him. And another one of his gifts, his very good gifts, especially since we're talking about this series, is the church. The church is your family. You know, some of you are new to grace. I've only been here a year. Some of you have been here a long time. Some may not be here in another year or two, like things happen. Do you know what? No matter where you go, we're brothers and sisters in Christ either way. Like, you actually can't get away from us, even if you wanted to. I had a mentor one time when I was in a seminary who said to me, Bradley, you don't choose your earthly family, and you don't get to pick your heavenly family either. And that's true. We are a gift to one another so that we can, as we experience God's grace, express it towards others. And when we do, the kingdom of God becomes accessible. It materializes. It becomes something we can see and live into and say, yes, this is who Jesus is. The one who's given grace. The one who's conquered every realm. The one who ascended on high and descended to the depths and fills the whole universe. The one who takes interest in captives. These are his people working out what it means to trust him and follow him. You know who Elon Musk is, right? Elon Musk said his greatest fear is to be alone. That's his greatest fear. And I actually think he's onto something there. The idea of being separate from God forever. The idea of being separate from people that you love and know forever with no hope of ever being with them again, that does sound pretty bad. That sounds maybe as bad as it gets. As those whose trust is in Jesus, we have this promise of God's eternal presence. We read about it in Revelation 21. I will be your God and you will be my people. There's not a transaction there. It's a statement God saying, this is going to be true. I'm going to hold on to you. I love you that much, and you will be my people. And these other people with you are also your people. We're in this together. We are the church. So we have this gift of the Holy Spirit within us, God's presence always, but also the gift of the church. That's why it's so important for us to have churches like Grace Presbyterian Church. It's God's intention for us to work out what it means to follow him in the context of community. God's ideal word, world for you is not your own personal spirituality experienced by yourself off on a mountain all alone. Although that sounds really fun to me a lot of times. That's, not, that, that's actually not what we're ultimately created for. We're created for the holy community that is the church. So how does the church then work out being a humble people who are therefore grateful? Well, think back to that story from Luke 17. If you really encounter God's goodness and his grace, is he going to, like, only be gracious to you if you respond right? No. Did you see that in Luke 17? The nine who completely did not come back to Jesus to honor him, 
they remained healed. You know, they didn't like develop leprosy again as they walked further away from Jesus. He healed them. The man who came back, he said, hey, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. God desires for us to access the reality that he is mindful of us, as Psalm 8 tells us. That he cares for us. That he watches over us. You are worth his efforts. He sets the captives free. He takes interest in the captives. You know, that should humble us. The one who ascended on high, descended to the earth, the one who fills the whole universe, he's saying this to you. I have apportioned a very specific grace for you, and I want you to access it. I want you to access it in the context of the community of faith. I want you to access it in your heart. I want you to read the scriptures so you can know this reality. I will be your God, and you will be my people, and that is my story for you. And as we begin to rest in that, how can we not be humbled? If you know your own heart, you know how you have not loved God well at times. If you know your own heart, you know how you have not loved others well sometimes. We're all in the same boat there. And we're also all people who have access to this grace that's been given to us so we can be invited into being and experiencing and living into being God's people. The church. The reality of his kindness towards us. The king of creation loves us. It makes us humble. And it should compel us to be grateful. What are you grateful for? Probably this time of year, most of us are really grateful for air conditioning. And we're really grateful for comfortable chairs. Um, we're, we're really grateful for a lot of things. And God wants us to be. The book of James says that every good gift is from above. But are you grateful for the grace that is yours by faith? It is yours. As you trust in God, it is yours to claim. It is yours to um, ask God to deliver to you. It is, it is your right to call out to him as a beloved child and say, Lord, you say you're my father. I am feeling very alone. Or, God, thank you for your good gifts to me. I am truly your child. We have much to be grateful for. Knowing who God is, who Jesus is, and what he's done, and living into this humility that helps us to live into being thankful, it actually grounds us when the entire earth is shaking beneath our feet. The eternal promises of God will not be shaken. You're not capable of breaking his love for you. The world isn't capable of breaking that for you. You belong to him. You are his beloved. Are you thankful for his grace? Are you thankful for his forgiveness? Are you thankful for his word? Are you thankful for his kindness toward you? If you are, if you're living in light of his love for you, humbly into this thankfulness, it will compel you to do something. It will compel you to imitate Jesus. That's why they call us Christians. We're little Christs. In other words, as you begin to really bask in this love that God has for you, you will work it out towards other people. In my own heart, when I see bitterness taking root, I know if I live into this, it's not going to go well for me. This is not who Jesus is. It's not what God wants for me. He wants me to lean into forgiveness. And I wish I could tell you it's like a switch. Most time it's a leaning. I'm leaning into it. Or maybe it's fear. There's a lot to be fearful of in this world. In the moment you're feeling completely debilitated by fear, we remember um, the one who ascended on high, the one who descended to the earth, the one who takes interest in captives, the one who fills the entire cosmos, that's my king. And he watches over me. So I'm still afraid, but I know that my God is over me and he's watching me. Or your precious ones, when you send them to school, 
are off to college or on to their next adventures. God, through his son Jesus, is big enough, his grace is powerful enough to reach them in that moment. It is a pervasive kind of grace. And we access it by faith. Let me leave you with this. This week, as you're thinking about who God is and you're, you're reflecting on your relationship with Jesus, come back and read this. Remember that as we live into the church being a humble people who are therefore grateful, this is, this is the fruit that God will bring in our church. To be humble and gentle. To be patient. To bear with one another in love. To make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace because there's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That is, that is us. You know, the good news about it is God's going to accomplish this, accomplish this here. The bad news is it's going to have to actually, like, you're going to have opportunities to not be patient. You're going to have opportunities to not be gentle. You're going to have opportunities to not be long-suffering. That, that's why this is a spiritual uh, gift of God to move toward it. Because you're going to need His grace moving forward. But His Spirit promises to accomplish, accomplish that in our midst. And the idea that the one who was completely honorable was dishonored for us. The one who was completely patient was treated with great impatience. The one who was completely gentle was brutalized. That one dies for us on the cross and says, I did this so you can be forgiven, so you can be invited into this new reality that is my kingdom. Okay? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the revelation to us here in Ephesians that you're the one who ascended on high. You're the one who descended to the earth. You're the one who takes interest in captives. You're the one who fills the whole universe. And you, with your power, set it aside so that we could have a relationship with you. The one who rose for us and who reigns even now. Would you, by the power of your spirit, work these things in us so that we might grow in believing that you love us that much, which will make us humble. And that we might grow in expressing that humility as we are thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.